we have a very special guest speaker. It's a four-square missionary to Russia. Russia is a big country uh, halfway across the world, in case you didn't know. And um, not only is he a missionary to Russia, which is why I'm having him, but he's also, other than my immediate family, he's the person I have known longer in the world than anybody else. Our parents went to college together, and then our parents were both pastors, and they were about an hour and 15 minutes apart. And so they continued their friendship, which then thrust us into no other choice but to hang out together. Based purely on size and gender, we had to hang out together, which is how toddlers choose their friends. Their parents choose people approximately the same size and gender, typically. And you go, here, you're going to play with this child now. So Steve and I also ended up, because we both felt called in our lives to go into ministry, so we ended up at the same college together. Uh, He got there first. I left first. And um, as I often say, a lot of people go to college for seven years. Usually they're called doctors. But this is probably the person I consider my best friend in the world, and uh, you get to hear from him today. So come on up, Steve. Good morning. Do I have to do something to this that's already on? Nice. How are you? Thanks for the insulting introduction, Jeff. I really (laughs) appreciate that. (laughs) You know, first impressions, they can't, you know, you can't change the first impression, so... Um, yeah, really, really, really happy to be here. So appreciate Jeff and his friendship. I mean, I believe that you guys probably have the greatest pastor in the world. What do you think about that? <laughs> Jeff Espeseth, you're the man. Um, if I was in Seattle and I didn't have a church home, I'd come here for sure. I'd be sitting right here every week cheering on the whole service. Um, I have somebody else to introduce. Her name is Vlada. She is from Russia. Stand up, Vlada. You can't see her otherwise. She's pretty short. Vlada's kind of like spiritual daughter, and she is uh, right now actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to Bible school. But she came out here for the Fourscore convention that was this past week, and uh, she'll be heading back to uh, Tulsa at the end of the summer. So pretty cool that she's here. So you have a real live Russian, not just a Russian missionary in the room. That's awesome. Um, I have a picture of my wife and, do I see a screen somewhere? My wife and kids. And uh, of course, uh, when God called us to Russia, first of all, I blame my wife. It was her calling, right? So be careful who you marry. Um, When you say I do, you're saying I do to everything, right? And so that was something that I knew was a possibility but didn't really believe would happen. Um, But then 15 years or so, almost 20 years after being married, uh, we ended up in Russia, which is awesome. And um, then I have three kids, Kayla, 16-year-old daughter. And uh, the worst thing in the world happened this past year. Kayla got a boyfriend. And um, so I kept telling her, you know, it's okay if you break up with this guy. It's no problem with me, you know. Um, She goes to an international school, so he's Korean and um, American living in Russia. So that's kind of crazy. But he graduated, and he's moving to to Iowa. Thank God. So so don't have to worry about that for a while. And um, just kidding. He's a great, great guy. And uh, Connor, my son, is 13 years old, and then my other son, Caden, is nine years old. And so, yeah, like we've been serving in Russia for, for five years. We lived in three different cities, kind of moved around. Also, you know, I should say that Jeff's my good, good friend, but Tracy's also a great friend from school. And uh, I was Jeff's best man in their wedding. And uh, Jeff was my best man in my wedding. So that's, I mean, 
shows we're truly tight. Besties forever. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, there we are. Thanks for reminding me. I had a picture. That's those are the college years. The college years. I'm still convinced that's when we looked our best. I don't know. I wish it would come back. I, I don't know what the. We're wearing collars now. I guess we were there too. No. Okay. Right on. Ah. Anyway, I'm praying to this morning that God really, like, really does minister to you and speak to you. I, I want to share a little bit about what we're doing, but also just give a word from the scripture. And, and, and I, I don't know. I have great faith. I mean, you have to have great faith to step out of America and into Russia. And um, my faith is not limited by God's calling on my life to, to go somewhere extreme or seemingly extreme. I, I promise you. We feel very normal in Russia. We feel very safe in Russia. Um, we eat out at restaurants. My office is a Starbucks in St. Petersburg, Russia. So don't worry, we're, we're fine. Um, but it did. It takes a lot of faith to step out for a thing like that. But it also takes faith just to show up on a Sunday morning like this, to be with you, to, to be introduced to people that I've never met, and, um, and to believe that God wants to use me to speak to you. Like, I hope that you didn't just show up on a Sunday morning because it's some ritual that you do, you know? It's like you set the alarm clock on Sunday morning, uh, you get to sleep in a little bit longer than normal, uh, but you still have to wake up and you still have to go somewhere from your house and you come and you sing a few songs, you go home. I, I pray that that's not, I believe it's not why you're here. I believe that you're here because you believe that God wants to speak to you, because you believe that, that you want to worship, because you want to be with God's family on a Sunday morning, and, um, and today's no different, even though I, I don't know you, and I'm a guest speaker, God's Spirit's the same, right, speaking through whoever is presenting, and so God's Spirit wants to speak to you today, so can we pray and just ask um, that He would open our hearts and, and prepare us to receive His Word. Lord, so thankful for you, so thankful that, that you are the same everywhere around the world, that I, I'm thankful that you live within us as your believers. Lord, I pray that you would um, just cause our, our hearts to be open to you today. And that as the word is shared, Lord, that, that you would do something miraculous. You would speak. That's pretty awesome. That, that you would speak to us. And that we would hear you, Lord God. It, it would prompt us to, to move closer to you. It would prompt us to take the next step. It would prompt us to believe more, Lord. It would prompt us to um, forgive ourselves and, and to walk in your grace. It, it would prompt us to do something, to, to, to go where you're wanting us to go next. And so just speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to tell you a story. You know, it's to me, this is one of the saddest stories. Sorry to be a downer. <laughs> it's one of the saddest stories in the Bible to me. And uh, this is a story of um, the people of Israel and a guy named Moses. And, and you know, Israel was uh, enslaved to Egypt. And, and God had something awesome planned for Israel. God said, you know what? I, I want to free you. And I want to give you your own land. I want to take you to a promised land. I have a promise for you. 
And so, you know, he spoke to Moses and said, you know what, I want you to go and talk to Pharaoh and, and have Pharaoh release my people. And so, you know, Moses says, you know, you know, after a little push and shove, says, okay, I'll do that, you know. Uh, what time do I have till, by the way? Till 11, okay. And so, <clears throat> so Moses goes and he talks to Pharaoh and says, okay, here's the deal. Um, let God's people go or there's going to be some crazy stuff that happens here in Egypt, right? And so, you know, he tells Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, oh, no way, I'm never going to do that. And then some crazy stuff actually happens, to the point where finally Pharaoh says, you know, not just, um, okay, you're free to go, but like, get out of here, you know, just get out of here, because you're driving me crazy, your God's driving me crazy. And so Moses and all of Israel leave Egypt. It's this amazing thing that happens. And, uh, of course, Pharaoh changes his mind after he lets him, what, what are we doing? There's all our, you know, our hard work is running out the door. And so uh, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he's chasing, um, and his army is chasing the people of Israel um, out of Egypt. And so, to me, the, the kind of the crazy climax of this story, you know, Moses and Israel, they're stuck now at the Red Sea as they're trying to escape. Nowhere to go in front of them, right? I mean, impossible. And behind them is Pharaoh and his army coming to kill them. And it's like, this is one of those situations that maybe you feel like you've been in before. There's a, like no win. You're stuck. It's impossible. And, um, but God says, you know, go ahead and stick out your staff. And so Moses does this awesome thing, sticks out his staff, and the sea parts, right? And the people of Israel cross the Red Sea on dry land, get to the other side, and Pharaoh and his crew, they're like, hey, they did it, we can do it, you know, and so they start going through, right, and then, boom, the sea crashes them. Miraculous, incredible, impossible, right? It's just one of those things where you're just like, boom, you know, if, if God did something like that for me, would I ever doubt him again? I don't know. I feel like God maybe has done some stuff in my life that have been kind of Red Sea-ish. And then I'm like, eh, but he can't do this, you know, but he can't do that. You know, so, so maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'd be like the people of Israel who, after they cross the Red Sea and they start their journey into the promised land, um, I start to complain, I start to wonder, I start to murmur, I start to think, you know, this God is not, you know, going to take care of me. Well, the sad part of the story to me is when, uh, Moses says, okay, the promised land is right over there. Right? I'm going to send 12 spies into the promised land. They're going to check it out just to make sure that it really is as awesome as God says it is. And uh, to, to find out what we have to do to get it and uh, just check out the fruit, you know, the produce, and just see if it's amazing. And so 12 spies go into the promised land. They check everything out, and it is exactly like God said. It is in incredible and it was for them but 10 of the spies are like I mean it's awesome it sounds like a great promise God it, it, it looks incredible when I picture it man nothing is better than this promise that you gave us God but those people there are huge they're enormous. There, there's no way we could ever take this land. So you know what? 
I'm going to recommend that we don't move forward. Well, of course, two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they're like, what are you talking about? I mean, if God said this is yours or this is ours, then for sure it's ours and we can take this land. So let's just go and take it. But the ten are like, no, 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 it's terrible. So they anyway, they, they go from the promised land, they go back and they give their report. And, and they start to, to tell about you know what was over there. And it sounds great. And, but the ten are saying to the whole crowd, impossible. You want to die? You want your kids to die? Do you want, do you want your life to be ruined? We are better off in Egypt. What are we even doing here? This is impossible for us. And of course, Caleb and, and uh, jo- Joshua are saying, no, please listen. If, if God is in it, there's no way we won't get it, right? I will put my trust in you alone, God. It doesn't matter what's in front of me. It doesn't matter how hard it seems. But they couldn't convince the people of Israel. And so for 40 years, these people wander around the desert and everyone in that generation died, never receiving the promise that God for sure had given to them. I wonder how many promises has God given to me? Like he showed me a picture, he showed me a dream, he showed me something that is for sure mine. And, 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 and I just, I'm just like, no, it's too big, it's too, it's too much for me. I'm not smart enough, right? I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not, I don't have enough faith, I, I, don't, I don't know enough of the word. Um, I'm not good looking enough, you know, like whatever, what are we, you know, what are our excuses for saying, God, you can't use me like that? I can't speak in front of people. In fact, seven years of college, that's why I was afraid to speak in front of people. Over it. (laughs) (laughs) But it took a long time, right? But you have to believe and you have to keep moving out in faith and keep saying yes to Jesus, right? Think about some promises that God has given to you. What what were they? Or or what are they? And have you put them on the table and said, I can't have that? Or are you still carrying them and saying, I'm believing for that. I, I want that. See, now, if this was the end of the story, right, it would truly be a super sad story Thanks for coming. Have a great day, you know. But it's not the end of the story. Two people actually didn't die in this generation. Those were Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that said, you know what? God said it's ours and it's ours. We can take it. In fact, Joshua became the new leader of Israel. And and you can look in Joshua chapter 1, and let's go there if you have a Bible. And uh, we'll look at verse 8 through 11. And this is after Joshua becomes a leader. And let's see what he did. Water. Thanks so much. Joshua 1, 8 through 11. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp, tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Say that. You will cross. You will cross. You will take it. Joshua, listen to God. Imagine Joshua's story. Joshua didn't doubt. Right? Joshua, Joshua believed. And for 40 years, who was Joshua hanging out with? A bunch of doubters. A bunch of murmurers. A bunch of people that didn't believe they could take what God had given to them. Now, I don't know how Joshua did it, but Joshua somehow maintained faith through that entire generation, through those 40 years. He somehow, on his own, maybe him and Caleb had like a a mini small group every day, you know, it's like, okay, we just got to keep the faith, right, bro? Yeah, bro. You know, like they, they had to do something. Like, how did he do that? Like, I, if I, I know when I'm around people that are, like, kind of negative, kind of downer, you know, it's like, you know, it's got, I kind of get the same kind of vibe going on. I don't know how he maintained belief. But after 40 years, and he becomes leader, God's encouraging him, and he's saying, look, just study God's word, right? He must have spent time with God. Be with me. Do what it says, like, these are, like, basic instructions, right? Read the Word of God. Do what it says. It's like, that's something that God's saying to all of us all the time, right? Be strong. Be courageous, you know? Don't be afraid. When do you need to be strong and courageous? When you have this little bit of fear, right? But God's encouraging. He's saying, be strong. Be courageous. The Lord, your God, is with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. Wherever you go, I'm there, right? If I'm asking you to do something, I'm going there with you to do it. You're not going on your own. You're going, I'm going with you. I love it. Go through the camp. Tell everybody, all right, three days. Generation dies. Moses dies. Joshua becomes leader. Three days. Now, finally, we're going to do what God told us we could do a long time ago. It just took hearing God, believing God, and then taking a step, right? Because the people of Israel did not get transported into the promised land, right? It's like sometimes we think that that God's given us this promise, and all we have to do is kind of wait. Okay, when's it going to happen? Man, it's going to be awesome. But, But faith doesn't work that way, right? Faith always has an element of works, Right? Otherwise, it's dead. Right? So I believe something. God said, you are going to be a missionary to Russia. So then I raised money to move to Russia. Then I began to build relationships with pastors in Russia. Then I began to build a prayer support team. Right? Then I bought some airplane tickets and I got some, a visa. Right? God said, here's the promise. And I had to do something about the promise. Otherwise, I'd still be in Wisconsin. waiting to be transported, right? I believe. 
What's going on? Did it happen yet? Okay, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to keep believing. It's going to happen. Thanks for that promise. You believe? I believe too, man. But I'm waiting. Nothing's happening. Right? No, I, I have to take a step, right? right? I have to take a step. What, what has God promised you? We, we don't just wait for the promise. Right? We have to do something about the promise. We have to step towards the promise. So Joshua takes a step towards the promised land, and before you know it, him and the people of Israel have received what God had promised them 40 years earlier. Right? Where are you in this process? Right? Where are you? What promise has he given to you, and, and what are you doing about it? I have some promises I believe God's given to me for this year. And um, seven things I've been praying about since January 1. And uh, I'll just share them real brief. I believe this is going to be the best year of my marriage so far. It'll be number 20 in September. So I'm praying that every day. I, I believe that my kids this year are going to kind of capture their, their calling, their focus. And they're going to start stepping into that. So I'm praying for that. I'm praying that I'm going to give away more money this year than I've ever given away before. That means I need more money. Right? To give it away. Right? But I'm, I'm praying for that. Um, I'm praying that God would take out some bad habits and insert some good habits. I'm praying that, um, like Peter, you know, when he was walking down the street and people just wanted to get into his shadow... Right? It's because they'd be healed. Right? I, I want God to do some miraculous stuff through me. I, I want people to want to be around me because when I'm with them, they feel better. I, I want God to do amazing things through our ministry. Like I have this vision. I know this won't happen this year, but we have a vision to, to have 500 four-square churches in Russia. There's eight And I know the people who are in charge of this whole thing. We need God. I look in the mirror, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? Right? You can, you can really start doubting. Right? But we're believing for amazing ministry to happen. And I'm be believing that I will speak Russian really well by the end of this year. It's been a five-year process. I'm growing slowly. But this year needs to be a jump year. Right? These are the things that I am believing for. Not just believe, I believe God's promised them to me. But if I'm going to learn Russian, I have to study Russian. I have to speak to people in Russian. Right? I, I can't just have this promise and just wait. Right? I have to, first of all, I am praying for it. And as I'm praying, as I'm relating to God, like he's showing me some strategies, right? It's this conversation, it's this relationship that God shows you, okay, here's how you're going to accomplish this promise. Right? And so I'm praying like it depends on God, but I'm working like it depends on me. Right? So I'm praying, but then God's saying, no, now do this. And so then I'm working towards that stuff. Right? So we, it's prayer and it's works. It's faith and it's action together. That's what Joshua did. He believed. And then he took a step. 
into the promised land. It doesn't just happen. You know, what has God promised to you? Freedom from some addiction? You know, maybe you've struggled with something your entire life, right? And you're just like, don't know how I'm ever going to get rid of this thing. It's just part of me. Are, are you like the, the spies that said, it's impossible, it's too big, I can't do it. You know, I, I've tried and I've tried, and, and no matter what I try, I, I just fail, and so I'm just going to forget it. Right? Or are you more like Joshua who says, you know what? If God said it, it will happen. It can happen. It's going to happen. I just got to stay faithful. I just got to keep walking. I just got to keep praying. What, what ministry vision has God put in you? 500 churches, crazy. Okay, but we're going to keep moving that direction. I, I want to I believe that it will happen. We have to raise up leaders. We have to do a lot of stuff. Like, we started this internship program. We're going to have 10 students this year. It's going to be amazing. We have a Bible school. We've planted a church in St. Petersburg, and we're praying that it becomes a healthy, kind of a mother church, that we raise up leaders and plant churches out of this church into other huge cities in Russia. And and so we kind of have some strategy, but it's the tough work of the, the groundwork. And so it's like, what promise has God given to you? He'll also give you the strategy to accomplish it. Right? Take those steps. Maybe it's a thriving marriage. Maybe it's a, a relationship that's broken that, that God's promised that it's going to be healed, right? Maybe it's a better paying job. You know, maybe it's a, this fruitful, you know, whatever it is, you know, believe the promise and take the steps towards making it a reality. When you read through the Bible, right, and you think about all the heroes of the faith, of the faith. Right? You think about Noah who picked up a hammer. Right? You think about David who picked up a, a sling and a rock. Right? You think about Jesus who walked to a cross. Think about Mary who said yes to an angel. Right? You think about Paul who stepped out of Israel and into Europe. Right? You think about the disciples and we're sitting here because of them. Right? These people all had great faith and they did something about that great faith. Those are the kind of people, you know, so my question is, what's Steve's story? <laughs> right? When I die, when people are talking about Steve, what are they talking about? God had great things for him, but he never believed it. He never did anything about it. He always doubted. He, he could have, I mean, he was gifted but he just didn't uh, assert himself. He, you know, it's like, I, I don't want that to be, I don't want to be a sad story. I don't want to be a sad story like the people of Israel with, with Moses. How they could have, should have, would have been living in the promised land. But they never saw it. No, I want to be in Joshua's camp. And I, I believe that prophetically, I just want to speak this over you, that you are a Joshua generation. Right? You're, you're not the doubters. You're the believers. You're not the sit back and wander. Right? You're, the, the, you're the action people. You're the ones that are saying, I have the relationship with God. I'm hearing his word. I'm obeying it. And I'm taking a step towards it. Right? That's what I believe God wants to impart into you. And that, that you would believe it. And that, that you would, it doesn't matter if everybody else around you believes it or not. Doesn't matter if everybody else is negative. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. 
It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter if the Red Sea's in front of you and Pharaoh's army's behind you. It doesn't matter that the people in the promised land are so big that I look like a grasshopper. It doesn't matter all the circumstances, all the situations. What matters is I will put my trust in you alone. You are a firm foundation, God. Right? You are a firm foundation. And I can trust in you. That's where I'm going to get my strength, my peace, my hope, my faith, my everything. And I'm going to experience the promises of God become a reality. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help all of us to have an amazing story. An amazing story that even in the midst of difficult circumstances, we moved forward. We believed. We accomplished, Lord God, what you spoke to us because we were willing to take steps of faith. Lord, help us to not worry. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to not be discouraged because we trust and believe that you are with us wherever we go. And when you're with us, there's nothing we can't do that you've asked us to do. And so help us to put our trust in you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Steve. One of our spiritual traditions as part of our church is uh, once a month we take communion. And um, I give basically the same encouragement every month at communion, and it is this. We don't do it out of habit or ritual. We do it to help remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. We have an open table, which means anybody that's here today is welcome to come and take. And what Jesus said is when you do it, as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. Doesn't equal our salvation. Doesn't equal a church membership. Doesn't mean we're signing up for a club. It means I'm committed to remembering that Jesus, the son of the living God, was willing to sacrifice so that I could have a relationship with God. And too often times we want to make it something else. We want to make it, well, you have to do this and this and this before you could take this. And he looks and he says, you're all worthy. Because in reality, none of us are worthy, so we're all welcome. So I want to invite you today, and here's how we do it here. There's not a a right way or a wrong way, but here's how we do it here. We're going to have kind of three lines. Um, You're going to come forward. You're going to break off a piece of the bread. You're going to dip it in the juice, and you're going to take it. And we do this because we're committed to remembering that Jesus made a sacrifice for you. You're not worthy, but you're welcome. He makes us worthy. Nothing we've done. So if you're unable to come forward, whether that's because you're just you're like, Jeff, you don't know how bad I am. I would love to do that, but you don't know what a terrible sinner I am. Just hold your hand up and Tracy's going to come to you and serve you at your seat. If you're not physically able to because you can't walk down or you can't stand in a line, just hold your hand up. If you just don't feel like coming forward because you don't want people seeing you, just hold your hand up and Tracy will come and serve you. Because the idea is that we want to serve you, not we want to exclude or have one group that does and one group that doesn't. No one's required to. Everybody's invited. Everybody's wanted. Everybody's welcome. 
So we're going to have some lines up here. Again, if, if you don't want to come up, just kind of wave at Tracy. She's going to come around to you. And then after she's done kind of going to those people, she'll be here and we'll have three lines going. But I want to invite you, come and take. You're invited, you're welcome, and you're wanted. Come and take.
Because the church has to make things hard, we complicate it. We make people go to meetings and join clubs. And Somebody once said, hey, how do I become a member of your church? And I said, do you want to be a member? And then I said, why? I was like suspicious. Why does somebody want to be a member of something? I don't even like joining a grocery store club. I never want there to be a wall between us and God. That's not a political statement. Don't send me an email. Nothing between us and God. Nothing. 
want to tear down the things that we've put up to keep us or to keep other people separated from God. We want to be in, but then we want to make sure it's really hard for everyone else to get in because I don't want a bunch of sinners hanging out with me. Somebody told me this week, Jeff, you're a healer, and that's why your church does this thing where people come in and they're there for a while and then they're gone because they come in, they get better, and once they're better, they're gone. I said, that sucks. And they were like, yeah, but that's what God's told you to do. It's hard because I want to make it hard. And yet God says it's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be because it's supposed to be life-changing and everybody is invited. Father God, thank you for inviting us. Thank you for desiring a relationship with us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for helping us see and recognize our sin and in that, our need for you. God, help us be a people who, as we're drawn to you, we desire to bring others to know you as well. That it's within us to show and to share and to help others find faith in you. Let us be willing to put ourselves out there in your name. Amen. One thing Steve said is he has this desire to see 500 churches in Russia. You know, and how does that happen when there's eight? 15, 16 years ago now in 2002, there was a missionary who decided to go to Cambodia. And there were, I think there were three churches in Cambodia, four square churches at the time. And 16 years later, there's 6,000. Now, we can't draw a plan that says, here's how you plant 6,000 churches in 16. Nobody would believe it anyway. But in Cambodia, there's more than one church a day, if you count the number of days a year, that are starting. Four square churches. That's just our little denomination. There's more than one a day currently being started. Because every week, another group of people gets together and then they say, hey, we've got, and most of those are house churches. Most of them are 20, 30, whatever you can fit in your living room kind of thing. And so then they're like, hey, we got to start another one and another one. And they keep repeating the pattern. Steve, I believe that it can happen. I don't know how. I can't draw you a strategy, but continue to have the faith and know that we as a church are praying for you to see that happen. Steve is one of the missionaries that um, each year we review who we're supporting. And so on our next cycle, we'll, we'll be supporting him. So if you want to give an additional contribution to uh, to his ministry, you can mark that. We're not taking an offering now or anything like that, but just in the future at any point. Um, we give 7% of our income that comes into the church. We give 7% to missions. And we divide that up different ways. We have some local things and some global things. Um, but I, I always just say, we've got to give of who we are. And so just know that that's one of our ongoing commitments. And in our next cycle of things, we'll be adding him to what we currently do. So that's how we're going to support him. I hope that you'll join us next week. We're back in our series on the Ten Commandments. And um, we're in the home stretch. Also next week, we'll be praying for our team that's going to Mexico to work in the church and orphanage down there. So it's my hope that you will come out and pray for that team that we're sending 24 people from our church to go down there for for eight days and 
love people and serve people. So that's what we have coming up. So join us next week. Thanks. Have a great week. Bye-bye.